Greeks, uh, first of all, it's, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome into another episode of From the Pink Seats podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. I am the host of this podcast here, Jacob Lane, joined as always by my good friend, former Louisville football player and Louisville student uh, assistant, Vincent Lococo. Uh, no Matt McGavick tonight. He's worked his ass off the last couple of days. So Vince and I got together, made an executive decision that we were going to give Matt one night off. But we're going to be back uh, in the saddle again tomorrow night, breaking down the defense. Matt, you don't get a night off tomorrow night, buddy. Not This isn't a two-for-one deal. You get, you get one, and that's it. Uh, but Matt's been grinding with signing day happening and all the other happenings around Louisville. Uh, there was like a basketball game last night with some some officiating stuff. I don't know. Matt's been busy. Let's just say that. Uh, so we went in and we got a heavy hitter, though. Uh, we stepped it up tonight. Uh, and, and our good friend Keith Wynn has joined the show. And we're going to talk some Louisville football recruiting and uh, some Scott Satterfield and staff and all the good things that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about on the show the last couple of weeks as we've been looking backwards at 2021. But a lot is happening, a lot to talk about, so we felt like we had to get to a microphone tonight. Let me first start off with pleasantries. I'll start with our guest of honor tonight, Keith Wynn. Keith, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Uh, just, you know, trying to keep up with all this, you know, recruiting stuff going on. You know, it seems nonstop right now, but, uh, but you know, that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I can't remember if it was if it was you or if it was Presley, one of you all. I think it was this morning when Iran uh, Hodges, I still have not been able to perfect the first name. I even heard it like 20 minutes ago, had it nailed down. I can't remember it now, but he Aaron. tweeted Aaron. There we go. He tweeted this morning at about 855. Uh, another one or whatever. It's about to go down. One of those gifts that they've been using. And I can't remember, Keith, if it was you or if it was Preston, maybe both of you in some form or fashion hit hit, hit the, the Twitter webs with, I don't even have my coffee yet. Like that's what's happening right now in Louisville. The momentum is unreal. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, not, you know, at first I was like, you know, they had this big recruiting weekend. They got a couple guys. And I was like, all right, that's good. And, you know, the more and more, you know, I think the coaches are even kind of letting it slip a little bit. It seems like it's kind of a coordinated effort to kind of space out some of these commitments, keep the buzz going and whatnot. Um, but the issue is, is that so like a couple of years ago, they kind of had a run like this. And, you know, I think it was like 12 or 13 recruits uh, that committed in like a two, three week span. Yeah. It was easy to keep up with because you kind of knew who they were. I don't have a clue at this point. I'm just I'm just winging it. So it's a lot different. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of interesting, kind of fun. And, and, and it's good for the program, obviously. Yeah, certainly keeping you on your toes right now. Not that you need that with a little baby and a three-year-old running around, but uh, hey, man, I guess it's good practice of, of being agile and being able to, to move on the run there. Uh, Vince, welcome in. How are you, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. It was an exciting weekend. It was fun keeping up with uh, all the recruiting that the staff was doing and Pierce was doing and Salo was doing. And I mean, the guys are just on a roll right now and it's fun to watch. That's right. How about JV and Hawkins, 2-2 Atwell? Two guys uh, going to the Super Bowl, two Louisville Cardinals. Neither one of them will probably play in the Super Bowl, but they will be there with good seats. Have you Speaking of seats to the Super Bowl, I know this is kind of off topic. We're going to get into recruiting and Scott Satterfield, but did you all see how the, the going rates right now for the Super Bowl tickets uh, in, so, in uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles? I, I saw one uh... – I saw some tickets going for about like $30,000 and some going for even more than that, obviously. And I mean, that's just, it's a dream to go to a Super Bowl, but I'm not trying to spend my entire paycheck to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, you're talking about seats up in the upper deck, like 
the four and 500 um, sections, you're talking about dropping $30,000 just on one seat. I mean, it's unreal. I've never seen a a, a game in demand like this before. Uh, But hey, here we are. So, but let's talk about what we came here to talk about. Louisville football recruiting, been a busy weekend for Louisville. I've lost track at this point, how many recruits they've landed, but a number of them uh, coming from the 2023 class, including the star of the show, Pierce Clarkson, which we will talk about obviously here tonight. Uh, but a couple of other names in the 2022 class. You got some transfers. You got some high school guys. You got some other players in the 2023 class. You got some local players. There's a number of different story storylines to follow here from the recruiting weekend. But I want to start with Scott Satterfield um, and just the staff in general. We've talked a little bit about this in the offseason, both with our show, Keith. I know you've written about this. You've talked about this on Mike Rutherford's show. Uh, we've talked about this together a couple of weeks ago when we did the first signing period um, episode. But the Louisville staff changes, uh, you know, they're not done yet. Scott Satterfield talked to the media today and said that they are still in the process of trying to figure out what they're going to do offensively. But Keith, what are your thoughts just generally on the additions that they made of Lance Taylor uh, and coach crime? That's gotta be the coolest coaching name I've ever heard, uh, but coach crime, coach uh, Wes McGriff, uh, Ole Miss, Florida guy. What are you, what are your thoughts on them? Um, you know, I like McGriff from a standpoint that he's a veteran coach. He's got a lot of experience and, you know, I think that's something that really helps a, a, a fairly young, uh, somewhat inexperienced defensive staff. If you kind of look at it, you know, obviously Brian Brown as a coordinator, only a handful of years. You got, you know, Dee Nicholson, you know, not really a ton of experience, pretty young guy himself, Gasparato. So you, you throw all those guys together. They're not, you know, overly veteran. Uh, so bringing in a guy who can help from that standpoint, um, Hope from a game planning standpoint, hope from a decision making standpoint, organizations, all, all those things that, that factor in behind the scenes, uh, I think is really big. And, and, you know, I think he's got a good track record. You know, he's, he's a good recruiter. I mean, you know, anytime you can say, you know, the primary recruiter for the number one player in the nation and he landed him, you know, that that's something that, you know, you get credit for. So, you know, he's got some connections around the country, uh, especially down in Georgia. Uh, so I, 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 like, I like him. You know, I think he's, he's a good addition. Uh, because I think they really just needed needed help there, you know, and I think that's really going to help. But Lance Taylor is, is the big one to me. Um, I think he's 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 a star in the making. Um, I like the the idea of just taking the pressure and the full load off of Scott Satterfield uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and then adding in some some wrinkles from a guy who can bring in some scheme scheme things from where he's been before. Um, you know, always use the example of, uh, of Petrino bringing in Chris, Chris Klonakis and then going with a bunch of pistol stuff that he brought in from Nevada. And, and Bobby Petrino is, a, is an offensive mastermind. I mean, that's what, his, that's what he's known for. But he was willing to tweak some things, and he tweaked his entire offense. But, you know, I think that bringing in guys like that that have some experience, you tweak things, you add some new wrinkles. And, and you know, it's not a broken offense. So bringing in somebody that can bring some, some fresh ideas – uh, I think it's helpful, but I think the the fact that they're pushing so much of how organized Taylor is, how he can really be kind of a um, GM of the offense kind of kind of deal and take over a lot of things and take things off the plate. I think it seems like that's something that maybe they were looking to to fix, maybe the behind the scenes aspect of it. And it seems like he's a he's a good fit for. It, so I, I like it so far. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Scott Satterfield's um, just kind of his overall kind of thought process and the hiring and what they needed on offense. Uh, and it's interesting that he mentioned with Lance or with, with, uh, with, with coach Lance Taylor, did I just goof on his name? That's his name, right? Lance Taylor. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why yeah, that yeah, sounded wrong, man. I was like, Lance, that's not his first name, Lance Taylor. Uh, but he talked about him uh, not only having the, uh, the ability to coach wide receivers, which he's done with guys like DJ Moore, uh, some of the other guys with the Panthers. One article I read was um, really crediting the growth of Devin Funches when he played in Carolina uh, and attributing that to Coach Taylor. And then also the running back angle from, you know, being at Stanford. We obviously know he's not coaching the running backs with Darrell Sims still here, but Satterfield hinting he could coach tight ends if we need him to, which, you know, I, I didn't see that on his resume as having that experience. But if that's a guy who can who can kind of add some juice to the tight end room, which we've talked about here and been quite frank, we I, I didn't really feel like Stu Holt had done much outside of the development of Marshawn Ford and even Marshawn Ford we talked about last week's show took a huge step back I mean two touchdowns compared to the nine uh, the seven that he had in 2019 and the five that he had last year um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do there um, Keith one one thing you know you know kind of candidates that are out there you know you know kind of what what coaches are you know been available and stuff like that are there any guys that you could see out there that are on the market um, or guys that have interviewed or anything like that that you see being fit for what Louisville's looking for right now? Or do you think that it's more about trying to, you know, maybe bring in, um, you know, maybe a, a promote a quality control assistant to that one of those positions or um, somebody just getting started in their career? What are your kind of thoughts on, on what they could do there? You know, my, my, my you know, dream pick, I guess, would be uh, to be able to bring in a guy like Justin Stepp um wide receiver coach i think he's at south carolina now or arkansas sorry uh he's got ties at at, at, at app state young guy outstanding recruiter um and i think that you know right now i think the biggest question is what are they able to pay what are they willing to pay and if i'm scott satterfield i'm pushing money because you have you're on a heater right now all right you know and if you can really, you know, push Josh Hurd and the administration and say, hey, we're, 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 we're on an upswing and I want to bring in a guy that I think that will, you know, really do a great job for us. You know, Step is a guy that it, it, he's recruited very well, uh, you know, down there and he has developed really good wide receivers. I mean, he's the young up and comer kind of guy that you really want to go for. He's similar to Lance Taylor from a guy, yeah. that, you know, only 40 years old. Um, you know, known, but also has a little bit of a resume that, that impresses you. Um, you know, and I, I would love for them to take a swing at them. Um, you know, but outside of that, I think there are guys all over the country. I don't think they'll go in-house. I think that, you know, Scott is really kind of uh, – I think that's maybe in the past. I think he's really looking to grow his, yeah. his coaching staff with the best possible coaches he can go and get. I mean, and he said that, but it's, he's really putting that behind it. I mean, even, even Weston McGriff. He's a guy that can go get a job in the places. You know, Lance yeah. Taylor left a very good job to to come here. I think he's willing to uh, – he's, he's going to swing for the fences. It's just whether or not they can actually pay guys uh, and, and pull them away from these jobs because I don't think he's going to look for just any guy on the, on the street. I think he's going to look for, hey, can I get a guy from this school to come here? And, you know, signing is over. So I think that's another aspect of, you know, this might happen pretty quick. Because coaches tend to leave right around this time of the year, um, you know. It, you know, Gunnar Brewer obviously things, you know, that 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 separation there, but that didn't get announced until today for a reason, you know. So, you know, I think we'll see. Uh, I think there's a potential we see something kind of quick, but I do think that he's going to go for somebody big, and I think Justin Steps the guy that I would love for him to go for. 
Yeah, you talk about Justin Stepp. I'll give you a name uh, in terms of kind of name brand recognition from a development standpoint, Traylon Burks. He's going to be a first-round pick this year, most likely, in the, the NFL draft, and that's a Justin Stepp guy. You talk about that. Uh, I want to add a kind of kind of an interesting thing of note here. Just, uh, you know, being the, the young professional I am, I have notifications when jobs come open um, in certain parts of, you know, the marketing industry, sports industry, and so I, I get when Louisville – post jobs. And I see when the football program, basketball program are hiring and two things came across my desk this week. Uh, One of which was the chief of staff position, which I think we can all, uh, at least maybe our show can agree. That's, that seems like that's Eric Wood in the, in the making there. Like he's been working with the team behind the scenes for years, having guys over at his house, being around, you know, and I can see Eric Wood just stepping right into that position, giving them even more firepower along with Dion branch. But the other one was the recruiting coordinator position, which is what, uh, Coach Hodges is in, and he's a quality control guy. But how about bringing in somebody like Justin Stepp and giving him a recruiting coordinator title or giving them some kind of additional um, responsibility to kind of add to that paycheck and be able to, you know, attract a young up-and-coming coach? Um, I don't know if that's a possibility or not, but it's um, – Coach Satterfield said today they're not done with adding to the recruiting staff. There's the two staff positions that they're going to hire, the recruiting coordinator, chief of staff role, which – uh, is interesting enough in the description requires NFL experience. So I don't think I'm going to, or uh, the NFL and D1 experience. So I don't think I fit that role. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have the expertise close. there. I was a You're little close. bit disappointed. Indeed, we need to probably improve upon that because he got my hopes up for a second, but, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. There's still, you know, special teams angle. That's still something that's got to be solved, but Hey, spring practice uh, kicks off in about uh, three, four weeks. So they don't have uh, very long to be able to figure this out of, you know, who they're going to hire and what they're going to do from an assignment standpoint. So uh, we're going to get answers there, but let's move into recruiting, celebrate the big weekend that was for Louisville, uh, obviously highlighted by the commitment of Pierce Clarkson, four-star wide, uh, four-star quarterback um, out of uh, California, out of uh, Bellflower, California plays for Bosco prep out there. Number of guys visiting the picks in the snow were fantastic. I gotta, I gotta say that I was a big fan of that. If you take a picture of me in the snow, it doesn't look very cool. Like it just looks like a big (laughs) old kind of chubby white guy playing in the snow. And like, what's he doing? But you get these like athletic 18 year olds with, you know, the Hollywood hair. And you're just like, damn, man, that looks, that looks cool. I wish I could do that. I wish I could be in a Jeep out in the snow in Cardinal stadium or sliding into the, you know, the pink seats out there in the snow. Like it was pretty cool to see, but they obviously get a ton of commitments. Pierce Clarkson, uh, they get Jaden Williams out of USC, Jalen Alexander out of Duke, uh, Jeremiah Caldwell, a cornerback safety, former UK commit, had a number of SEC offers, Antonio Watts as a, as a defensive back who Coach Satterfield said could play an instant role this year. Uh, and then the class of 2023, you bring in Jeremiah Collins, the uh, defensive back athlete out of Mayo, and then you get Jaden Davis, a three-star safety from Suwannee, Georgia, uh, and Martel Height out of Rome, Georgia. So they, they went to work. They got a number of commitments. It sounds like we're going to see a few more Scott Satterfield hints in today. Ha you don't know about that one yet. Like, come on, Scott. That's just, that's good, man. That's so I love good. It. He's throwing little punchlines now. He's getting, I think Coach Satterfield got a little bit of confidence, which he should have some confidence after the weekend he just had. And I think a little bit, let a little bit of swag show a little bit today at the uh, press conference. Kind of nice, right? It was, I mean, it, it came off like, it was like, man, this guy seems like he is, he is just like, yeah, he's basking in it right now. And it's kind of nice. He seems like he has a different energy about himself, and I'm all for it. I mean, you know, even if it's just speaking it into existence, uh, right now it's working. Yeah, absolutely. Hell of a weekend for Louisville. So let's let's start with this, Keith. Um, I saw the article that you shared from The Athletic that talked about the horses and the tanks and the jets and all the 
things that these coaching, these coaches staffs are doing to kind of improve their recruiting. And it's all about flash and substance these days. The kids want to take pictures to put on TikTok or videos to put on TikTok and Snapchat and all those places to get millions of followers and all that, that you, you know how that that goes with recruiting these days, but they're stepping it up and coach Hodges bringing in some of those kind of luxury cars, putting them in Cardinal stadium. Like is what, what has changed from the talent standpoint, because we've had so many conversations about Louisville just needs to step up their evaluation. Um, and so is this the class where they've done that? And they've really finally identified guys at the top. Um, is this just coach Hodges bringing a new level of swag and kind of opening the door to maybe talent they didn't have before or, and I guess you could be an and, or is this like a, just like the first normal full recruiting cycle in years. And they've had the time to be able to analyze tape, watch guys, get to know them for a full year and then bring them in an offer. Like what, what is it that's changed Louisville's trajectory? Because this is the best recruiting I have seen since Charlie strong, maybe, maybe middle of Bobby Petrino, but more Charlie strong in my opinion. I think it's a mix of all, but I mean, I think, you know, I, I think that, 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 that Aaron Hodges has really brought a new uh, level of kind of experience as well as evaluation and then connections. I mean, you watch all these guys that they're bringing in and, you know, committing and they're all tagging Hodges, you know, and it's, it's, it's whether it be guys that, you know, have been just getting offers recently guys that they've been recruiting since he, before he even got here. Uh, They're all like, I think he connects with these guys from a recruiting standpoint and a communication standpoint, and especially when they get on campus, when you see, you know, parents tagging him and, and posting videos of him, you know, you need those guys that have that energy, that have that ability to connect with these young guys. But, you know, I think that what they've done is, first off, they've grown the recruiting uh, a team. Yeah. And you have a lot of guys that are behind the scenes that, that most people aren't going to know. Most people aren't going to see. Uh, whether it be the creative teams that are make, editing these pictures and making the videos and whatnot, uh, whether it be the guys that are evaluating talent, uh, whether it be the guys that are looking in the portal. I mean, they, 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 I think they have more people. And, you know, Pete Nocta went on uh, Mark Ennis' show today and, and kind of compared their early recruiting to a Conference USA level because there were just not enough people. You know, it was like a one-man show is the way he actually said it. And you know, kind of catches you off guard, but you kind of look back on it. It's like, yeah, when he, when they first kind of got here, it was really kind of Pete and, you know, they didn't really have a, a coach that was really kind of tied into it. Like we've seen in the past. Um, but I think that the, 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 the investment has been there and you look at Pete Thomas being able to go across the country. I mean, two weeks ago, he went from California to Idaho to somewhere else to to Alabama all in a week that costs money. And somebody's got to say, yeah, we're going to pay for that. And that's an aspect that I think is important. Uh, Mark Blankenbaker threw this out, and I, I hadn't even thought about it. I guess they're now done pay, paying Bobby Petrino. So you have some money in the bank to really to, to do some things with. And I think that, Scott, when you when we go back to when Vince Tyre talked about Scott coming into his office with Josh Hurd and having a plan, I think he's executing that plan in part because, hey, we've got some money to work with, and we're seeing that come through. But I do think that, to your point, you know, you you have these guys get here, they kind of start to get some – you look at local recruiting or recruiting in the state, they start making those inroads, and then COVID hits. And now you've got a full year where you don't get to go out in the state. You don't get to meet these coaches. You don't get to have them on campus. Remember how big of a deal that was when they first got here. You had coaches coming in for spring practice, coaches tweeting about it and all those things like that. That got cut off. So 
you had such a, I mean, they, it's just, it's, it was bad timing. There's nothing really you can do about it, but I think they were also investing into it and it's starting to show off. Uh, but I do think that the staff, the entire staff that they're still growing to your point and the recruiting aspect is just, it's so important. And I think Hodges has probably not gotten, at least from what I've seen, maybe the notice and the credit that he probably deserves, especially with, with Cooper leaving last year and people making a very big deal about that. I just kind of walked in and really took things over and, and really did a really good job, uh, at least in my opinion. All right, Vince, I know you can't spill company secrets. You got an NDA that you signed. Not really. I'm just kidding. There is no NDA. But you've been in the building for some of these big recruiting weekends over the last couple of years. And obviously, I know you're not in there this weekend. You didn't get to see kind of the inner workings. But just kind of take me through, like, the work that goes into putting these weekends together. Like, I mean, this isn't just something where the kids show up and it's like, all right, well, we're going to walk to campus now. Uh, we're going to come back and then we're going to watch a movie. Like, this is a very planned out type of deal. So tell me, like, what kind of planning and how this execution kind of works in real time. It is a long, 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 long day whenever you have official visit days. I mean, you know well in advance what day that's coming, and, and you pencil that in as that day is probably going to suck for you mentally. But, uh, you know, Robin Mattingly and Pete and all those people in the recruiting department kind of developed the whole weekend, and then they hand us an itinerary. And, you know, it could range from anywhere to where I'm picking up a car uh, at a car rental spot, and I'm bringing it back, and I'm picking kids up from the airport or whatnot or anything in between. But, I mean – there's people doing photo shoots in the back, setting up photo shoot rooms. I'm trying to think back to just everything that we had to do. Those those recruiting days are just so much of a blur because you want these kids, you're investing all your time into these kids and you want them mm -hmm. to have such a great time and experience Louisville and, you know, to eventually commit to your school. So it's, it's a very long weekend. So, I mean, kudos to Pete and Coach Hodges and you know, the entire staff really for going all in on these, uh, these guys here it was exactly Jacob what I was you know, kind of talking about their social media game and everything like that is kind of picked up. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just very excited, I guess. And those recruiting weekends suck. I'm not going to lie. Part of the athletic piece that I, I didn't know is they talked about the creatives and those guys that are editing for those folks that are editing the videos and the pictures and whatnot. And one of the guys was like, yeah, they can take up to an hour per player. And, you know, Louisville, you know, another great thing about Hodges, he he kind of does some behind the scenes stuff on his Instagram. Well, he showed he he videoed the uh, the coaches introducing themselves to the players. And one of the things uh, that Pete pointed out is that they had to split those guys up because there were so many of them. They had to split them in two. So they did, you know, a group would do one half of the day and the first half of the day, and then the second half after. And I could like once I read the athletic story, I was like, Jesus, all those kids are taking are doing photo shoots. And I was like, geez, that's going to be the whole next day of just got people in the room just working through that. Uh, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes that investment. But, you know, that's why you see these kids dropping their pictures on Monday because that's when they're getting them. You know, and I was like, man, that, that's just kind of it's kind of crazy. But you have to that's part of the deal. And you have to invest in that. And and I love that Louisville is doing that because not every school is is taking that as seriously as others. And that stuff matters. Uh, yeah, it, Tyler McIntyre and Clay, uh, Clay Corbin or Corbin, Corbin I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah I can't. Uh -huh. I mean, those two dudes work tirelessly. I mean, they're they're up there from six until ten p.m. after these recruiting days, like he said, because the players want 
they want to post that stuff. I mean, yeah, I want to show I was a Louisville with these fancy cars and all this stuff. And especially if I'm, you know, somebody that's going to eventually commit with the, you know, on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, you want to have that sweet, sick photo of you in the snow and everything. So, I mean, those kudos to those guys because those are the people behind the scenes that nobody really even notices. Yep. Yeah, you're exactly right. One thing I think of whenever I see those pictures and just like the players that you'll never see play at Louisville. I mean, a few of them will obviously, but I, I think back to an interview I did years ago with Keith Kelsey and he talked about when coach strong was here that they wouldn't let players put the Jersey on when they would come in for recruiting visits and that they would mostly just wear their helmet or like give them glove, whatever the case was. And he said that the way that the players would look at it when coach Petrino got here and they start letting anybody put the jerseys on, they just like, it was so weird to them that some random walk on from Covington, Kentucky could just come and do a photo shoot in a Louisville Jersey and just like be able to put that out there. So I always find that a little bit funny with those, but they matter. The photo shoots matter. The quality of your graphics absolutely matter. Um, the quality of the video editing matters. How, you know, how dope can you make me, you know, make me look sitting in a car or, you know, throwing a football at a, at a workout. Like, it's just like, we see all kinds of things like that. Like there's a wide receiver, five-star wide receiver that tweeted the video of him just dancing in the locker room. Like there's just things like that, that matter. And Louisville seems to really be kind of pulling that all together. And, and it obviously paid off. Um, and it paid off big with Pierce Clarkson. It starts there. One thing I want to know, you talk about recruiting and flash and substance. Um, I, I, as a marketer myself and a media buyer, um, I was fascinated with his announcement concept of buying those 13 billboards. You guys just roughly, I just, just curious of how, what you all think. It, you just had to guess how much that costs to, from a billboard buying standpoint. What do you think? I have no clue. <laughs> that's uh, a couple thousand. Yeah, a couple thousand. That's for sure. Nothing I want to pay. Okay. So I just, I'm working on a campaign in Southeastern Kentucky and I just bought eight boards in Southeastern Kentucky for 12 weeks that costed 16 grand. Okay. That's eight boards in Southeastern Kentucky. He bought 13 boards in the city of Louisville, most of them, which were digital. That had to have been 25 to $35,000 easily. And he, there's no chance his family paid for that. Now I'm not saying anything nefarious happened, but I'm just saying those billboards are expensive as hell. And if they did pay for that, kudos to them, because that is one hell of a way to announce your commitment. But that is, that's serious dollars that go into doing something like that. And that's what recruiting is. How cool can you look? What can you do to be the next great one? Pierce Clarkson got his name all over ESPN. He was on the front page of all the news stations here. He made it to some of the big college football Twitter accounts. Like that's what recruits want. And with him and the, the announcement strategy, brilliant. Keith, give me your overall thoughts on Pierce Clarkson and what he brings as the, uh, I would have guessed, the, the heir apparent here uh, to Malik Cunningham. Yeah, I like him. I think that he's, you know, he, he's there's still some 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 things to learn about his game, you know, as a part time starter or, or, or backup that, that split time there. Um, you know, he's got unique skills in some ways because he the way he moves in the pocket is a, is a thing that really jumps out to me because he is calm. He's very patient in the pocket from a standpoint of he keeps his eyes down the field. He moves his feet well. He protects the football and he's always looking to make the play. He doesn't really uh, turtle up or anything like that when he gets pressure in his face. That's the thing that, you know, that's the, one of the hardest things to coach. When we see that every year in college football, you see that in the pros where guys can't handle pressure uh, in their face. And he seems to do really well with it. Um, you know, but I think we're going to learn more about him through the summer when he does camps and things like that and how he performs with those. And then when he plays in the fall, you know, because he's, you know, we need to see him, you know, his full game. Uh, he completed 60% of his passes. 
you'd like to see that number be higher. Um, but, you know, he's got the ability to do – he can make all the throws, as I say. He's got athleticism. He can run well. Uh, I think he has all the tools. I just think we need to see it all put together in a, in a, in a better package to really know. Um, but I think that when he gets here, you know, he's obviously going to have the ability uh, to, to come out and, and work, in, work in the spring to get more time. Uh, and he's going to have competition with Caleb Johnson. I, I'm very high on Caleb Johnson. I'm really excited to see him during the spring and the spring games. I think he'll get a lot of snaps and we'll get to see a little snapshot of what he looks like. Uh, but I think he's going to be able to come in uh, with that competition with some extra time. Uh, but you have a, you have a kid who's got a coach uh, or dad who is a quarterback coach. Um, you know, that's always a positive. He's going to have a lot of skills that, or a lot of polish that other guys don't have. I just want to see more, you know, 118 throws uh, doesn't really give you a whole lot. Um, so I, I really want to see how he develops over the summer uh, and, and into the fall. But I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he's got decent size, even though he's only six foot. He's put together. He's got, you know, he's got a like, nice build to him. So, you know, I think he's 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 what he's exactly what you want. But I, I think the other aspect, I think him as as a recruit in general, not necessarily his recruiting, because that's a whole different thing. Just a, as a recruit, bring, being able to bring in a high level quarterback like that. That's a huge thing for, for Louisville football in general. I mean, across the board. So uh, it's a big, big commitment. We saw this when Teddy committed. It's a big thing. It, it gets people's eyeballs on your program. Uh, and they've got to, you know, I, I mean, we're seeing the, the results that also from a recruiting standpoint, but just getting the positive uh, news and whatnot, is, it's just great. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, Pierce Clarkson obviously has some kind of like magnetic energy around him with just over the weekend. I mean, he essentially took over my entire timeline on Twitter for the majority of the weekend with recruit 50 player, a top 10 player from Oklahoma decommit first player, Mendes mentions Pierce Clarkson, uh, you know, somebody commits and there's a tweet from Pierce Clarkson. I saw if you don't have Pierce Clarkson notifications on your Twitter, you're not doing Twitter right. And it's, I mean, it's just incredible what he's done. Um, you know, you mentioned Caleb Johnson and you mentioned that there's obviously um, a little bit of hype, you know, at least from your standpoint of him being able to maybe be the long-term guy uh, after Malik Cunningham. And then obviously you have Clarkson. Uh, but what I want to ask you, Vince, is a guy who's been around Scott Satterfield. Every time I think I have the Scott Satterfield prototype quarter quarterback peg he changes he changes it up and he goes and he gets a six foot um, dual threat quarterback at, you know at app state he had taylor lamb who was one a little bit smaller but but not a, really a runner and then he comes to louisville and he recruits evan conley and then malik cunningham and then t webb and all these guys i mean it's just like I, I don't really know what scott satterfield wants at quarterback so what is the scott satterfield prototype quarterback is, is it pierce clarkson or is this him evolving as a head coach uh, you know, coach, I think coach Sat looks for a quarterback that can obviously move. I mean, we run that, uh, triple option kind of deal and, you know, you got to be able to run the football and that's, you know, what college football is more shifting towards anyways. I mean, you got to be able to throw a deep ball and, uh, most of all, I mean, you got to be able to lead a team. That's like what the big thing coach Satterfield looks for a winner and somebody that can lead a team. I mean, if you can't do those things and you're, I mean, you're SOL as a quarterback, you're expected to be the captain. You're expected to command the huddle. You know, you're supposed to be confident in everything that you're doing, you know, so that's exactly what he's looking for. Uh, definitely somebody that can run though, and somebody that can throw a very good deep ball, judging by how we do with Tyler Harrell, how we did with Tutu and uh, 
you know, things like that. Yeah. And you got to love the, you know, Keith, you mentioned the 118 passes. I've seen at least 10 of them on social media go viral. Like they are some very attractive throws. Um, and you have the one where he steps into the pocket and just like, it's like a, a, a you, if you're playing Frogger and you jump and then you got to go around a car and then to get back in front of the car, you see Pierce Clarkson able to step into the pocket, simultaneously move his hips to avoid being tackled all while stepping into a throw and launching a, a perfectly accurate ball, 60 yards down the field. Like you talk about his father, Steve Clarkson, um, that, that is coaching um, that is years of understanding the position and understanding like little details that go a long way there. So you got to be excited about that. Did he single-handedly make Louisville, Louisville cooler overnight, Keith? Like it does seem like Louisville has a little bit of a cool factor to them that has been missing for a, a while. Yeah. I think he and, and the guys he brought in with him. I mean, you look at a guy like John Z. Cook, who's got like 20,000 Instagram followers or something like that. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, DeAndre Moore and, and and Kyle Parker, who he, who he brought with him, and 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 uh, JFR Frostos, you know Frosto Ramos. Um, these guys are all pretty popular guys from a standpoint of uh, um, the camp circuit and the seven on seven circuit and stuff like that. Uh, Jonte Cook is a, I mean, the dude is just absurd, and he's he's well known around the country because he just puts on these you know shows when he goes to these things. DeAndre Moore got an offer from Alabama when he was in eighth grade. I mean, you know, these guys are very high-level players, so everyone knows them. And for those guys to show up and not only talk about afterwards how great of a time they had, like during the entire thing, they're 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 on Instagram Live, they're they're doing their Instagram stories. The pictures that they took were, I mean, I, I, I me and Mike talked about this the weekend before. You know, and he made a good point. He said a single image has a has just such a bigger factor these days than they used to be. And and it is because you can take that and put it all over the world um, and, and really, you know, get notoriety from it. But, you know, I, I, I made the point that, you know, it's no different than we were that age. I mean, I, I have pictures of, of things when, when I was in high school and taking pictures with my buddies out of the lake or something like that. that that's important to me because it's a it's it captures a moment in time. Right. Well, these guys are, you know, just doing way more cooler stuff than we did. You know, like that's really all the only real difference. And and they're going to be able to have that forever. And it's, it's different because there's social media now. But either way, you want to have you want to be able to capture those moments. And they did a really cool job of it. I mean, they're playing in the snow. Some of these guys have never seen snow before. Um, so, it, you know, it was just really kind of a they did a good job of getting those guys in for a full weekend uh, and then maximize it. But those guys took it and ran with it. And that's where these guys, are, you know, uh, you know, obviously Clarkson's the 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 focus, the focus, but all those guys are really well-known guys. Uh, other players around the country are commenting on it and talking about how cool it is. And you know, it seems like you know, to 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 Scott's point today, that other recruits are taking notice and they're reaching out and they want to be involved. Um, and I think that's the thing that really. You can't help but get excited about that. You know, that's where the confidence, you can see it. And you can see him talking about it and see he's like, yeah, man, this is just getting started. And and that's where I'm really kind of interested. Pete Nocta went on Mark Innes' show today and essentially just, well, not even essentially, he just said, we have silent commits that haven't even announced yet that we're that are going to be coming down the pipeline. So they have this momentum partially because, yeah, it's it's, hey, look what Louisville can do. And I think it also goes back to, you see these guys taking pictures of the Heisman and whatnot. It's not just the cool factors. 
hey, I, I could go there and, and play at the highest level. And I think that being able to tie both those things together, that's the difference really to me is that it, it's, it is, to your point, it's kind of cool. It's, it's, hey, these guys come, can know they can come here to Big City, you hear these guys talking about the NIL stuff, all that wrapped in a bow, you can sell that. And I think that's what Pierce Clarkson's entire thing is, is they got all of that in one nice tiny package for him, and he saw that, and, and it's working out for him. It, it's so wild to me how how much different stuff could have been if we're still in a time period where we can't get these kids on campus. I right. mean, you know, it turn, all of a sudden it turns into, oh, I got to do another Zoom call with XYZ recruiting coach and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you're showing them just virtual pictures of everything. And, oh, here's the Heisman Trophy. You can't touch it yet, but yep. here it is right here. You know, it's right in the middle. But, I mean, I, I remember when Norm McKenzie did the first Zoom, uh, like, tour. And I was like, wow, that's really smart. And it, and it was, because I think he was probably one of the first coaches in the country that really did that, and it was really kind of nice. He walked through the dorms, he walked through the weight room, and I was like, that's pretty cool. If you're a recruit, I mean, that, that's not really that great. I mean, at the time, it was cool, because you at least get to see some things. And, and a lot of those guys, I mean, you think about going back to your days, you know, any of our days, when you're looking at colleges and whatnot, knowing what your dorm room is going to look like, kind of important. You know, yeah. if you're if you're really big and, 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 and a big-time recruit, like, all right, I want to see the weight room. I want to see the locker room. But not really being able to get to experience it is a whole different thing. And to your point, man, I mean, we're, we we are seeing all of that, but just that it's like they – they it's, it's the change that they were able to bring in and all the things of, hey, what's different now? You can really take it all back to the fact that, hey, they actually can put players in all these spots where they're showing, where they want to feature as opposed to showing it on Zoom. Totally different world. Yeah, totally right. But I, I got to say the one thing that I just continue to find um, so interesting and, and so um, frustrating really over the last few years is if you're Louisville, why would a quarterback of, of the dual threat variety not want to come to your school? Like you've had Lamar Jackson, damn good quarterback. Like they've now put – three can like two really, 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 really good dual threat quarterbacks potentially into the NFL saying Malik gets drafted next year. And then you have Teddy as the guy who, you know, kind of got things going, but that should, I know that those um, don't necessarily always uh, attribute exactly to getting guys pipeline, you know, year after year, but it should be more impactful recruiting at the quarterback position should be a strength of this staff and not something that we're waiting in year four to get for the first time. Now, I am not one who uh, will hold that over Scott Satterfield's head because I bet it's really hard to recruit quarterback when you've got a pretty damn good starter with a lot of eligibility left. Like that's got to be something they've run into over the last three years. Nobody's taken his spot. And, you know, Pierce Clarkson is going to come in and Malik will be gone. So it's an easy transition potentially to sell. And, and I've been saying as long as Scott Satterfield can sell the transition into competing for playing time in year one, he will be able to get a start quarterback and look where we are now. I think another big thing to look at, Jacob, is, you know, the difference between Coach Ponce and uh, Pete Thomas. You know, Pete Thomas really let Malik play within his own game this year. He let him be himself. He let him be Malik Cunningham, you know, scramble around in the quarterback and not so much have your traditional app state quarterback footwork that they were all used to and everything. And I think Pete can put that on film and say, look, like, 
Pierce, Caleb, like you all might be two different quarterbacks with two different styles and whatnot, but you can still have success here as with, within our offense and being yourself. And I think another thing, you know, from my standpoint, I mean, if we're just being honest, I mean, you've got Frank Ponce who came in and, you know, wasn't able to seal the deal on quarterbacks. I mean, he, he recruited guys around the country. I mean, you know, Scott pointed out they're recruiting nationally at the quarterback position. I mean, Chubba Purdy's from Arizona. They recruited guys in California last year, uh, and they ended up with T.J. Lewis, who who obviously at best is a developmental guy. So, you know, you look at the difference in the recruiting from the quarterback coaches. You know, Pete Thomas took the job, offered Caleb Johnson on day six. He's in the, he's in the locker room right now. You know, that's what you have to do as a coach, as a recruiter, is identify your talent. Who do you want? And, and you got to go close the deal. And, you know, he, he offered Pierce Carson in April last year and got him to campus too, or should be getting him to campus. I mean, you, you, you credit to credit to where it's due because to be fair and to, to, to look at the results that we saw, Frank Ponce had guys, you know, decommit. He had guys that they went after that end up going to schools that are not on Louisville's level that just chose to, Hey, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to, Fresno State or wherever it may be, you the results of the results and Pete Thomas is targeted essentially. They only offered nine guys in this in this in this cycle and it's January and he already got his guy. They didn't go after anybody else very hard because he identified the guy that you wanted and he got him. Like that's just something that to me that's what you're paying these guys the money they, that that you're paying them is to get results and Pete Thomas deserves that credit because we've seen that other you know that didn't happen before. And time, yeah, you know, you have the the factor of Malik, you know, uh, you know his 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 his, his eligibility running out and whatnot. But you know, guys know you're going to go somewhere and compete as a quarterback. You're not going to be able to just walk in and take the starting job. Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a fair point, but I don't. I think that Pete Thomas probably deserves a lot more credit, in my opinion. No doubt. Yeah. I I was around Pete a lot in 19 and in 20. Uh, whenever I was on staff there, he was just a quality control guy, and just watching him progressively work his way all the way up to quarterback coach is is awesome because he's more than deserving and he's very smart and obviously he's great on recruiting he just relates to these players so well he knows how to connect to them they can you know they can read through the bs the smoke in the mirrors and all that stuff and uh, lovey-dovey you love me while i'm a recruit but you treat me differently whenever i'm a player you know pete's gonna treat you treat the player how they are straight up and he's gonna love you on the back end too so yeah, you know what it is with Pete. I bet he gets out the footage from when he played for the LA Kiss, man. He's like, "Look, you wanna you wanna see how what a real quarterback looks like? Come play for me, man." That, you know that's what he does there. Um, all right, let's real quickly. We're gonna step away here, take a break. Uh, when we come back on the other side of the show, excuse me, <laughs> we're gonna uh, look at the defensive side of the ball, where the primary. Uh, most of the recruits uh, committed uh, are actually going to be when they arrive to Louisville, several of which uh, are in the 2022 uh, class. So uh, we're going to step away real quick and come back and discuss that. Psst, you. Yeah, you. Enjoying this podcast? Like sharing Louisville events and news with like-minded individuals? Love being a part of the Louisville community? This podcast is part of a first-of-its-kind podcast network at thestateofLouisville.com. With daily news and opinions, seven podcasts, webcasts, and more, the State of Louisville is your home for anything and everything Louisville. Check them out at stateoflouisville.com today. 
All right, we roll along here on From the Pink Seats podcast. This is Jacob Lane alongside Vincent Latoko, the host of this uh, podcast here, joined tonight by Keith Wynn of Card Chronicle, deputy editor over there and the recruiting guru. Um, uh, it's been fun kind of watching you the last few weeks just like squirm when you don't know who the recruit is. Uh, it is funny to see that when you have no idea who it is. And I, I've been there. I don't write as much anymore. And I just rely on Matt breaking the news on his Twitter accounts and all those things and like seeing that stuff. But it is funny when you're like, who is it? I need to know. <laughs> uh, let's talk about defense, though. Louisville definitely upgraded the defensive backfield. Uh, over the weekend, they picked up several defensive back commitments. In fact, all of the players who uh, weren't quarterback were on the defensive side of the football. Uh, a couple of the 2022 guys, including uh, Jeremiah Caldwell and Antonio Watts. Uh, and then, of course, Jaden uh, Williams and Jalen Alexander, USC and Duke transfers respectfully. And then in 2023, you have Jeremiah Collins uh, and Martell uh, height as well as Jaden Davis. So they loaded up on safety cornerback. Scott called them interchangeable today in his press conference when he talked about these guys that are coming in. Let's specifically, Keith, like quickly run through the transfers here. The stats aren't gaudy for either guy, uh, Jaden Williams or um, Jalen Alexander out of Duke, but they are both juniors who have years of experience. Tell me what Louisville is getting in both of those guys. So, so I like Jalen Alexander. I, I watched him play a little bit uh, just from – from watching Duke games and then finding some video, which not all transfers, some transfers, you know, that they tweet out 50 videos of them in practice and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Alexander and Williams didn't do that at all. So I had to go find it. Um, I think Alexander is going to be a, a corner here, which is great. Uh, they needed a veteran quarter corner who can actually come in and push to be a starter. And I think he will push to be a starter, which is great. Um, but I think that he has, uh, He's a little bit of a smaller guy, you know, 5'11", 160, 165. You know, coming out of high school, Alexander had offers from almost everybody, it seemed like. You know, he was a middle, mid-level three-star guy out of Grayson, but he had offers from Stanford, some other schools, you know, around the country, and, and chose to go to Duke for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know. Guys, guys go wherever for God knows what reason these days. But, um, you know, he ended up playing a lot, you know, played a lot of, a lot of, a lot of minutes as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a junior. Uh, like I said, the, the, the stats aren't gaudy, but he can tackle. That's one thing I really liked about him. He'll stick his nose in there, whether it's cutting guys down, whether it's wrapping up. He can do it all from a tackling standpoint. And that's something that Louisville, you, you've got to be able to tackle if you're going to play corner in this defense. And I think that's really good. So he's a cover guy that they can really stick outside, push Chandler Jones to be to be the starter there, which, you know, Greedy Vance was able to overtake Chandler last year. Who knows if that happens again, but you need that guy, a veteran guy. Uh, Jalen Williams, don't really know much about him, not going to lie. Uh, he played a little bit. He's the backup corner to Chris Steele. He uh, was a former five-star out there at USC. Um, played a lot, but didn't really do a lot. You know, So uh, we'll see. I think that he's a guy – anytime you get a guy that's played at the Power 5 level, it's not the moment's not going to be too big. They, they, they know how to prep. They know how to work out. There's all kinds of things that are other aspects of being a college football player that you get a guy like that that's a positive as opposed to maybe taking a, a, a high school kid that maybe won't pan out. You don't know what you're going to get. They don't know how to work out. They don't know how to be away from home. There's all kinds of stuff that you don't have to worry about with these guys that at least you have that with a guy like Jalen Williams. Like I said, he, he was a backup corner at USC. That's not bad. I don't care. Your, your production doesn't matter to me. If you're getting on the field at USC, you can play. So uh, I like both those guys. I think it's a good idea to bring in veteran guys 
to replace the two guys you lost at corner that were a little bit younger. So now you have more depth, you have more experience, and you have guys that can push to get on the field more, and you know what you're going to get. So I think that's a positive. Yeah, I definitely do too. And I, and I texted you this earlier this week, and, and I've talked about it a little bit here on the show, but you bring in guys like that. You were obviously exposed against Air Force with the, your depleted secondary. I think we can all agree they were exposed. Rance Connor, not that Rance Connor is not going to be a good corner, but he, he hadn't seen the field. Kenai Walker didn't play. He's red-shirted. Kendrick Duncan's out. So they really were down thin, and these guys get exposed. Well, what could be different this year is you bring in these guys, Jalen Alexander, Jaden Williams, who have played in big games. You like, like you said, they understand the moment. They understand college football. Ball. But then what really is kind of the cherry on top to that uh, is, is the fact that in spring. Derek Edwards, they're going to get the snaps because you have injuries. You have Cottrell Clark out. Kendrick Duncan may not be back for the spring practices. So you're talking about these young guys getting snaps and being able to um, really grow and step into those roles and then adding experienced players in the summer. I think it's really going to culminate uh, for Louisville's defense being able to take a step forward. Um, let's talk about the, the younger guys in the class. Jeremiah Caldwell, um, a four-star, three-star guy out of Bellevue, Michigan. Um, and then Antonio Watts, who was an unranked safety. What do you like about those guys? I'm intrigued by Caldwell's size, man. Six foot two corner safety. You got to love that kind of size. And, and a guy who, by all accounts, it seems like was an SEC caliber player that just kind of fell in Louisville's lap. If you, like, if you're listening to this, just go go to Twitter. Look at the, the picture in the video that Louisville uh, put on for his signing. And look how long his arms are. It's freakish. Like, he is a freak. Like, his build is freakish. That's the only way I can I can describe it. His arms are so long that you kind of take a double take at the picture. And, you know, there's, there, there's a, a shot of him, you know, like, literally just, like, reaching his arms out, you know, you know, like, wingspan. And it's like, dude, this guy looks like an alien. But he also, is, you know, can, can run. He's super quick. That's the best thing about a guy that's 6'2", 6'3", that can turn on a dime. Uh, react to plays and then go make the play. Uh, I, I mean, you just don't see it all the time. Like Ben Perry is one of my favorite recruits that Louisville's got in the last couple of years. Watching him play safety, like Ben was great about being a ball hawk. He can see what's coming and he can go make the play. But he's also a bigger dude, and you kind of, you know, he, he he takes time to move. I mean, just like any other big guy. Caldwell's a guy that you know he sees it, he reacts, and he's gone. And I think he's underrated. I mean, you know, Michigan wanted him, Michigan State, Tennessee. Obviously, UK wanted him, and, and, and you know, he changed his mind on that when um, Clean Scale, whatever his name is, went to Michigan. You know, but these guys all recruited him. You know, they, he got recruited to the SEC, like you said. Everybody won this kid, and I think that for whatever reason, he just – you know, recruiting ratings are, are fickle. You know, for whatever reason, some of the services had him ranked pretty lowly. Rivals has him as a four-star. Uh, I mean, this happens every year. Uh, where some of these guys, you know, they, they they view them differently. But I don't know what you're looking at if you don't see this guy who played at a high level in Michigan, scored three touchdowns in the state championship game, got an interception. He put up the he put up the production. He looks the part. You watch him when he plays. You watch his highlights, and he does it all. He also hits. It's another thing. He's, he's not a finesse guy back there just playing. And like you know, I like to get interceptions. He's going to come up and and lay some wood. So I think that he is a guy that you know. I, I've been very critical of the fact that they don't play enough young guys. You know, they'll play these guys in on special teams here and there. I mean, you look at the guys they redshirted and played three or four games. Some of those guys didn't get snaps at their position. They played special teams or they just played garbage time. You've got to get some of these guys on the field. And a guy like Caldwell, 
who by the time first, you know, first kickoff hits, he's going to be 185, 190 pounds. Get him on the field, man. I mean, these guys, you got to get them experience and get them out there and playing. And I think Caldwell's a guy that can play. Um, you know, Antonio Watts, a little bit of an under, under the radar guy. It was kind of funny. I talk about these guys that hustle as a, you know, for the recruitment and, and tweet their, their highlights to coaches. It's kind of what this kid was doing a few weeks ago. But he plays at Carver, plays at a high level in, in Georgia, put up really good numbers, and he's got great size. Uh, you know, 6'2", 210, somewhere around there. Uh, Satterfield said he averages 20 points in basketball. You know, you got to get athletes. And, you know, it's just like, you know, Toffwick Thomas, the 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 325-pound nose tackle who put up 30 points in front of Satterfield and Ivy. Like, that stuff's impressive, man. Like, if you can go out there and ball and, and, and be a basketball player. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I didn't hear that either. Wait, you just slipped what? You guys didn't know that? So, <laughs> He's a hooper? I did not know so, that. So Mark Ivy and, and Satterfield um, went down to to Florida to do a – to visit Toffwick Thomas, who is playing basketball after the football season. And the game that they go and see, he puts up 30 points. Bro, I did not know he hooped. You're like talking six, about four, a 6'5". That you're awesome. It's like Troy Jackson Escalade out there, man. Exactly. So I mean, I always go back to Charlie's days, and they were always kind of. It always seemed like they targeted guys that can play multiple sports. And I, you know, it's just something that you know, as a as a younger guy, kind of trying to understand more about how recruiting works and whatnot, and what coaches look for. That always stood out to me because athletes, you can coach athletes to do other things. You can't coach people to just be athletes. You know, you, you either have the athleticism or you don't. And if you find a guy that not just track and football, that's not really, you know, it's not the same thing all the time, but linemen who wrestle, you know, uh, and, and, and other guys that, you know, skill guys that play basketball, things like that, that typically kind of helps you kind of get a, a better understanding of what kind of athlete they are. Uh, so I think that that was something that just Satterfield threw out. I didn't know that I thought was, you know, interesting. Uh, but I think he's a guy you take late in the process that they liked. And Wes McGriff, and, and he said that uh, Big Nell were down there, and the coaches said, hey, you might want to check out this guy. I don't mind it. I think, uh, you know, his video looks pretty good. Hopefully he develops down the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that um, when you have a guy that has size and plays in a, a in a state like Georgia, the talent that's down there, and he has numbers. I, I haven't seen his stats to, to – I trust you there on that. But you take him. You take him, and, and I, I think that his size, 6'2", 210, he – is what he's going to arrive at probably play bigger than that. It's a Cardinal type position right there. A guy who could play safety, play the card position. So you get versatility and who knows, man, some of these guys pop and some of them don't, but in the world of college football, um, you can turn over your roster pretty quickly. Uh, and if guys don't fit, they transfer out and you go out and you upgrade or do whatever you need to. So it's definitely um, a win-win situation in my mind, taking a guy like that. Um, let's talk quickly about the 2023 classes. We wrap up here. Um, you get a guy like Jaden Davis out of Swanee, Georgia. You've talked a lot about that state. I don't think we need to go into too much detail about the talent level that he's playing against. It's obvious that he's playing in a, in a good place. He's a top 500 kid, a top 450 kid at that had a ton of offers. Um, and then uh, the big ones, uh, the big one there out of male high school, the cornerback athlete who's going to come in um, and keeps that pipeline strong. I mean, uh, tell me what you like about those guys um, and what they bring to, uh, to the 2023 class to which Scott Satterfield says, I'm telling parents, I'm telling kids, this is the best class we've ever had at Louisville. Uh, what do you like about those guys? Um, so I, I really like Collins. Uh, I love the fact that they, they got a look good. They've been on him for a while. He's visited a few times and, and, you know, I think he's probably the best example of um, this new 
you know, this new excitement kind of in a way because he's been here multiple times. He was here back in November when all those guys are here for the Clemson game. Uh, he's been, I mean, he's, he's, he lives down the street, you know, so he's been there a bunch of times and never pulled the trigger. Um, and, and for whatever reason, he, he's on campus and he just, he, he decided to do it this, this weekend. So I really like him. He's got good size, um, you know, a, a smaller guy from a standpoint of weight wise. And he's about 170 right now, but he's 6'2", 6'3", long limbs. Another guy that you just you, – you can pack on pounds to those guys. But I, I think with all of these guys, they looked at the safety position, they all know how to diagnose and recognize plays and then go and make a play. And, you know, and, and I think that's really important that, you know, being able to read what the quarterback's doing, seeing what the play, seeing the routes develop, and then go out and pick off a pass or knock the ball, knock the ball down, be there to separate the man from the ball – these are the things that you look for when you're when you're looking at safeties, especially. And I think Collins is a guy that that you know, probably not a guy that's going to come in and hey hit the field right away. But you can see the potential. I mean, this guy's you know right on the fringe of being a four star, um, you know, which is always good. But I think you can see that he's got that potential that's going to that's going to really be able to be developed once he gets here. Jaden Davis is a guy I really really like. Uh, kid out of Fort Fort. Uh, Sorry, Collins uh, in in Georgia played with Travis Hunter, the number one player in the country this past you know recruiting class. Uh, another ball hawk kid comes up and hits people. Um, you know, really really good player. I think he he was the guy that I thought out of all the guys they had in this past this past weekend, uh, the most underrated player out of all of them uh, in my opinion. So I'm really I was really excited when I heard that he was uh he was gonna he was gonna commit. Um, sounded like that was before he even got here. He was planning on it. Um, so that, that was obviously really, I, I was really happy about that. Um, so I really like him. And then you got Martel hype. Um, you know, you watch his highlights and I thought the funny thing about it is out of all those kids, I, I linked his offensive highlights and defensive. Cause I thought they could take him either way. I think he's that good. So, um, Which one do you really like great you hands like? covers really well. Um, a little bit, you know, six foot one seventy somewhere around there. I mean, these kids are 16, 17 years old. So obviously they're going to gain weight before they get here. And then once they get here, but they all have the good frames. And this kid has a one handed pick in his highlights. It's one of the best plays I've seen in a while, man. Just goes up and snags it like it's nothing. So they're getting playmakers. Um, and I think that's important uh, because, you, you know, getting guys that are, you know, good athletes will not agree, but you got to be able to go out there and make plays. And that's what I think that you're seeing with these, these higher rated guys that are getting guys that go out there and they make those explosive plays on, on film. And hopefully that translates once they get here. Which which one do you like? Do you want him as a corner or do you want him as a receiver? In my in my opinion, I I kind of almost liked him more at corner because he did play wide receiver and his capability of going up and you know almost running the route for the wide receiver reminds me. Right. I mean, obviously not the skill wise, but I mean of, of Jair. How Jair was a wide receiver as well in high school, and I mean he would go out there and run routes for wide receivers, and that's that ball hog capability. Well, it's kind of like Caldwell, too. Both of you know, guys that play on both sides of the ball. You know, Marcel Height, you watch him on defense, and it's the ball skills and the balls in the air. There is no going up and just, just not really knowing what's they, these guys go up like the ball is theirs, just like they're on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think that those types of things always jump out. And I, I think Jire's a perfect example because when he went up for the ball, it was never like he was going up like as a defender. He was going up like the ball is his, and he can you know pick it off if he wants to. That's what you see in in, in in height, especially. You see that because he just he he 
runs with guys. He knows how to turn his hips. He knows how to look back for the ball, but there's no panic. You know, like he's looking back for the ball almost like it's like, yeah, this is my, this is my football. So, you know, you want to see those types of things because we've all seen it. And especially here at Louisville, I mean, two years ago, they dropped so many interceptions because guys are just going off the ball with no clue. <laughs> there, there's that panic. Like, oh, the ball's there. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Oh, I like, spent many yeah. hours with Cottrell Clark on a jug machine. I, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you want to see these guys go up and be comfortable catching the football. And I think height, like I said, I think you can play this side. I mean, you look at the recruiting services, they all had him as a wide receiver. Uh, and, and, you know, even some of the guys tweeting out the commitment were like they were calling wide receiver. I was like, no, they're taking him as a corner. And, and apparently he was the top corner on their board, you know, according to Steve Wilfong. So I, I think that he's going to be a really good one. Um, he seems to be, um, you know, not only from a standpoint as a player, but he seems to be the type of character guy that they like to. Always a thing that I really liked about Scott. I do like the fact that they look for high character guys. You got to get both, though. You got to get high character guys that can actually play football. I'm excited about what they did over the weekend. It's still so early. They have a class of 25 scholarships uh, in the class of, of 23. So there is still a ton of room. And look, man, I've said this for uh, three years now. The best tool Scott Satterfield has in his arsenal of recruiting weapons is to win football games. If they win football games and they do so in a manner that's attractive with a style of play, which I think, like Vince said the other day when we were on the show, that that they had you watching clips of the 49ers and the Rams and some of these high-tempo offenses, man. Scott Satterfield's got a real opportunity here. The ACC is down a little bit. Dabo is not really capitalizing on the uh, name image likeness. I mean, there's a real opportunity for Louisville. And if Satterfield wins, say, nine games this year, they beat Clemson. Maybe he gets back and beats Kentucky. Their recruiting can go from uh, really good right now to potentially great. I mean, uh, they've got the pieces in place, and they're growing that department. So you love to see it. Uh, Keith, what's up for you for the next couple of weeks, man? You're taking some time off from writing. What are you going to do? You're going to go out and start looking at the class of 2027, start watching some Central Arkansas <laughs> film. What are you doing, man? What, what's going on with you now that there's really not much to talk about until spring? Funny, because I actually have a rule. I don't, I don't get, I don't get a class ahead. Like I see them like offering kids in like 24, <laughs> 25, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not. I was like, I don't care. I'm not gonna. I refuse to do it because, I, you know, it's, it's, these kids are like what 15. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm so not, weird. But, it's so yeah. weird, man. Like there are people who that. get, there are people who get paid to write about fifteen-year-old kids. And like, yeah. look, I'm all about for your hustle. And like, if that's how you got to get it to get it, then get it. But like, not me. I won't be writing about fifteen-year-olds getting scholarships, eighth graders doing, you know, getting the Lane Kiffin offer, all that stuff. It's really, it's just so odd for the recruiting world. But um, it's so great I, to have I, you on. I, the- so Go sorry, ahead. quick story. I remember the first time I had a I had a coach reach out to me and give me a heads up that they were trying to land some kid. And, and, and in the message, he said, maybe you can do an interview. And I, I remember looking at it like, oh, no, I don't, I don't talk to high school kids, man. Like, they don't pay me enough to do that. Like, no, nobody pays me enough to do that. Like, I'm not going to reach out to a teenager and say, hey, how's recruiting going? Never going to happen. I don't even follow these kids. I don't – I just want to know, like, are you if you're committing, I'm going to watch your videos and whatnot, you know, and, and, keep, and, pay, and then that's it, man. I don't want to deal with any of the other stuff. Yeah, it's a very odd industry. It's an odd industry, right? I mean, you have you have a daughter who is, you know, she's not in high school, but like she's eventually going to be in high school. And it's weird to think about people writing about her playing sports in high school, right? Like that's got to be odd, right? It's very strange. Look, though, but if you're interested in coming to write about Liam, he is up to 23 pounds. Um, My man is a hoss. (laughs) 
my best friend's daughter is a year old and she is 20 pounds. So he is uh, outgained her in his first six months of life. I keep saying he's got strong hands. My boy is going to be an offensive lineman. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Babysat, we, we babysat that one time. Your son is, yeah, he's a future left tackle, dude. Bro, he, he's got the strongest hand and his hand placement is unreal. <laughs> I tell him all the time, bro, like, how do you like, especially changing a diaper? It's just unreal how he's able to put his hands and knock my hand off. And there's nothing I can do. Like, it's just, it's natural. You can't coach a type of deal. I'm going to lean into it. I keep telling my wife, he's playing football. You just need to, just need to get in line and we're going to make this happen. My boy is going to be a football player. The biggest regret in my life is not playing football. That's why I host the football podcast. Damn it. Cause I love it. I should have played. Makes sense. Right. Exactly. All right. Keith, Wynn, card chronicle, you guys can find him on Twitter. Uh, of course at cardchronicle.com and occasionally on the Rutherford show there. Um, thank you for, for dropping in. And uh, this isn't the last time you're going to hear from Keith. Keith knows this. I haven't told him the date yet, but we're getting to the point in the uh, off season review where him and Cam are going to uh, Cameron Teague are going to come on together. And we're going to talk the nerdiest football we can. We're going to break <laughs> everything down in detail uh, to the, to the Mark Bassett punny. That's what we're going to do here on this show. So Keith will be back in a few weeks with Cameron as we, as we continue to recap the season. Uh, and as I said earlier, we are not done. We've got another episode dropping this week where we look at the defense, uh, just like we did last week with the offense. Uh, a couple of metrics there in our three and out series. Um, the defense is going to be an interesting one to look at. So I hope you tune in there. Uh, and as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter uh, at the Pink Seats uh, or at Pink Seats Pod is the handle. Stateofloval.com. Thanks for tuning in and go Cards.